Hello, everybody, and welcome to our seventh episode of the Still Unnamed. I don't know what this, what do you call this thing? It's going to be a podcast. It's a Zoom now. Is there a name for this type of discussion? I don't know. Brandon, I have a question for you. Is the sun over my shoulder rising or setting? <laughs> Is this the glass half full, half glass half full thing? <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it, I, I think that's basically this week, right? <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah. Is, this has certainly uh, been an interesting week. You know, it's not just been interesting. I think that for us and anyone who's, who's viewing this, it's, it's been a tough week um, to see the violence that's been going on in our country. Let's just hope that there's a good conclusion to it and something, something good in the way of positive change comes out of it. Usually this is the time when we kind of joke around and stuff, but it's, it's harder to do it this week. The, you know, when you look at, um, you know, people are certainly more interested in news than ever before. And I think, uh, you know, one of the great ways of, of showing that or evidencing it is looking at what's been going on with Twitter where, um, you know, on our first slide, we've got more people downloading Twitter than any time since 2014, uh, which is that first Aptopia in the kind of center. Twitter hasn't been a top 10 app in the download store, which is on the right in a long time. And you, know, you can see back in April, Twitter was number 56 in the app store and it literally got up to number seven. So, you know, to me, that at least symbolizes, Brandon, to your point that people are trying to learn more about what's going on and they're, they're turning to their phones to look for what's going on. I'm sure some are turning on their TVs and watching CNN and Fox news, but there's sort of no doubt that, you know, these, all of these streaming services are becoming more and more um, mobile services are becoming more and more the place that people are turning for information. Yeah. I mean, Twitter, go back to what Twitter um, has says, said that, that it is. It's, it's real-time news and real-time discussion. And there's been no better time, for, for lack of a, uh, a better word, um, to where people want to find out what, what is happening now. Um, and even if it, by, even if it amplifies the, the echo chamber. Yeah, well, we could get into it. I, I, I do want to get into that. Um, but just look at some of the other apps in the top 10. There are two police scanners, I think, in the top eight. Um, it just shows you people are, are clearly um, want to know immediately. Well, number five is also a police scanner. What's happening? The problem that I have with Twitter is, is not our ability to get news faster than we're getting on any of the cable news networks. It's really that the people that each of us are following, our interest graph, our real representation of, of, our own, of our own interests and the points of view that we agree with. And if I, if I go on Twitter, um, I see only the people who agree with me and I'm not really getting the other side of the spectrum. And I think it's leading to this further polarization of the country um, that has been on steroids during um, the tr during really during the, the Trump administration and even and even before, 
it's sort uh, of the, by the, by default, it's sort of the problem with algorithms, right? And, you know, in many ways, like Netflix shows you just what you want to watch and it learns more and more of what you want to watch. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of these, plat TikTok, all of these platforms learn more and more about you and serve you things that they believe you're going to be interested yeah. in. It's the self-selection and the algorithm. But I is mean, is Twitter I serving me stuff that it, that my follow or the people that I'm following um, don't either retweet, tweet, or like? Yes. So yes. Twitter is trying to intersperse alternative opinions. It's trying to. Uh, you know, is it doing a great job yet? But it is trying to portray alternative opinions. Hold on. They're, well. they're trying to. They're trying to add extra stuff. But do you know if it, the extra stuff is alternative to the graph that's designed by the people that you follow, or is it basically in line with what they want you to actually look at? They have said. Um, that they try to do, I mean, obviously I think it skews heavily to what you just said, Walt, and they are trying to balance a little bit of the other so that at least there is some interjection of alternative viewpoint. So, and is there any third parties that can effectively actually evaluate that for, the, for these platforms? I mean, you can basically make a mock account, follow you know, 50 people that represent a, a viewpoint and then see um, who Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media platform you're using see what they layer in there as, as a test. It didn't seem like a hard thing to do for a couple of programmers to figure out, right? Yeah, I, look, I've yeah, never- These things are always harder than, than we think. That's true, yeah. <laughs> that is I, true. I, I was watching Diller on CNBC this morning and he talked about um, how it used to be that on the news, you had to show both points of view because you were utilizing the public airwaves. And I don't know, I found myself this week watching, this is not a joke, Tucker and, and Rachel Maddow back to back just to see the two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And I wish there was a way that- Did you go to Laura Ingram? Oh, I put, uh, that, that's a trigger. <laughs> I'm not falling for your triggers. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> okay, hold on. Oh, that was so good. Um, <laughs> So we've got two tweets here. One is, you know, because obviously there's been a lot of chatter over the last week about what happened. Section 230 is something um, that we've talked a lot about in terms of like what the president's executive order is trying to get at. Obviously, the president, you know, Twitter took action on the president last week. And what's interesting here is that someone created a Twitter account and basically just started replicating what Trump tweets. And it got suspended um, within three days. Uh, for basically just repeating the exact same information that the president did. And on the, you know, the other piece on this slide is Snapchat basically saying they're not going to promote Trump's Twitter, uh, sorry, Trump's Snapchat Discover feed anymore or Discover account anymore. And so it, there's just a lot of, I, I guess the overall takeaway here is everyone is trying to figure out what is the policies that all of these social platforms or mobile platforms should do in terms of how they handle um, I don't want to say questionable speech, but, you know, commentary that, you know, whether it incites violence or whether it's, you know, um, you know, problematic in other ways, racist or whatnot. Yeah, divisive speech. And I think all these platforms are struggling with who do they take down? Who do they alert? And you can kind of see very different approaches. You know, obviously, the president's Twitter account was not taken down, Brandon. It, well, that, you know, yeah, it's labeled. It, isn't that interesting, right? Everyone... <laughs> or the president himself is complaining that he was labeled. Meanwhile, Twitter's own AI is pulling down the account. Maybe the president is actually getting a break relative to what, what it should be. 
I think it's very hard to take down the president of the United States' tweets. And, you know, we were arguing about Benedict Evans wrote the other day and did an interesting poll raising the question of if the president did send something that was actually taken down and then the New York Times wrote about it, would the New York Times have to take it down? And so you get into that sort of, you know, you go down that rabbit hole and there's like no good answer to these questions. But I, I think what your, you know, your point is, Brandon, that the president's actually and the government's getting actually a benefit and that there are things that if they tweeted as an average person, they would That's get right. taken down. And then the one thing on SNAP, um, obviously they have their own policies and point of view, but my biggest takeaway from, from the whole SNAP thing is the way Evan has actually handled himself um, and, and what he wrote. And as someone who, who famously laughed at Evan um, on a conference call a couple of years ago, we've really seen his maturity as a leader. But do you think that's because their user base sort of fits with the ethos of what the company is doing? Like that they can, you know, removing Trump out of Discover sort of fits with the with a younger, more mobile savvy universe versus the other platforms, which are, you, are, are you, really much are you, broader. Are you saying that it was a business decision as opposed to um, a, I don't know, ethical decision? Maybe a bit I don't of both. Know. Maybe a bit yeah, of both. It could have been. It could have been a little bit of both. The other thing is, Evan just likes to do the opposite of, of whatever whatever uh, Zuckerberg does. So there could be part of that also. Well, let, but then again, Zuck, Zuck likes to copy everything Evan does. So I think that Facebook <laughs> will get woke in like another month or so. Well, talking about new things. I won't getting hold my woke, breath for that. <laughs> but talking about things getting woke, you know, I think. Here are, you know, we've got two different things here from TikTok that um, we were able to surface this week, showing how TikTok's getting a bit political as well, and also newsworthy. So I'm going to play two quick clips just to showcase. What are your thoughts sure. on that, Ben? I mean, the unbelievable stupidity. These people are scientists, like Dr. Nick is a doctor on The Simpsons. I mean, this is, this is madness. What are your thoughts? And I, I, you know, I find it interesting, Rich, that, so, you know, as you know, I've been using TikTok a lot and I find it a, quite an addictive product um, platform. Um, King of middle-aged TikTok right here, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever. It's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, but on the political side, like either, well, the algo to me is just sending me all kinds of stuff. Like I get some racist stuff in there. I get some um you know some protester stuff in there some pro cop stuff in there pro trump pro biden like it's it's kind of all over the map um which goes back to brandon what you were saying before in terms of like the twitter algo versus the the tiktok algo. the tiktok algo seems to give me a i don't want to i don't know if I'm, i'll call it balance but definitely variety maybe it's still trying to figure out what the hell they think i want to say but yeah i i think you're You've been sending us the TikToks. A couple of things have, have kind of come to mind. One is, um, as, as you mentioned, you're not seeing the echo chamber as much. There's a, a much wider variety um, of, of content that you're seeing on the political and news side, number one. But number two, it shows that, that TikTok is becoming a much bigger platform now and a way of distributing more content than just the, you know, catchy music, funny videos that it started off as, and that that platform has a lot of potential. Your um, point is that the, the guy on the street 
who's at the protest yeah. is posting it now it to this reminds, platform. It reminds me of what was happening when Snap Stories started, right? And Snap became more than just uh, a messaging service. It, it's, it, it was a place that you could see kind of real-time video. And TikTok's becoming a little bit of that too. Right, but the but the difference is like the Snap story was like functionally something different that you know Instagram could effectively copy. There's nothing functionally different. They're just giving you more diversity in terms of the content. I guess the functionality of it being able well, that, to flip really quickly. My point it's is also full screen video are creating. Well, people are it's creating the, that content. It's so the, the only Instagram platform is, that has full screen video. Like there's nothing else that looks full screen video when you open it up. Like there is something just engaging about having a vertical full screen plays instantly um i think that's part of what makes tiktok so fascinating to play with that so, and, so and that it's they give you way more than just what you actually actively follow so yeah. if, the, if, if there was fast follow on the snap stories to insta like why is that not happening with tiktok this thing seems to be ramping pretty quickly like if, if you're uh, if you want to blunt that the numbers I mean, look at these numbers. I mean, during the pandemic, YouTube time spent, now this is kids, not adults like the three of us, but this is kids four to 15, I think. Time spent on YouTube and TikTok in the US, I think this is US, UK, and Spain. The, the numbers are like just shockingly close. And, and the, the move up in the last year is, is really um, mind boggling in terms of how big the move in TikTok has been. And, you know, I think we all feel it in our daily lives, but I think to Walt, the, the growth in, in older demos like the three of us, my guess is, is dramatically faster for the exact reasons you mentioned. Like there's just a ton of really good content. I mean, some of it's scary, some of it's funny, but there's just a ton of content that goes way beyond just comedy and dance videos now. Yeah. No, right, so, so where's the response? Where's the response from the guys that are losing your, your share of eyeball for that day? Well, what I think is, yeah. Interest, interesting about it, if you look at um, Snap and you look at Instagram, I mean, Snap is about mostly seeing what you're, what you're, or communicating with your closest friends. Instagram, you, you again, self-select who you follow, and that's 99% of the content you see, unless you actively go to a different um, page into into um, d d discover area. Um, TikTok, the whole thing is just serving you content the second you get up. Really, yeah. you can go follow your friends and you can go to your friends, but the default is for yeah. you, not who you follow. And I, I just think to Walt's point, like you're being served all this stuff from all over the world and all different types of content. You're saying who could copy it? I mean, look, we, we've thought for a while that the biggest risk was to YouTube because of the comedic and music nature of it. Uh, but, you know, I look, I think everyone in the space should be scared. I mean, there's something about this. And we, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago on Lightshed, uh, you know, on this call um, about kind of Kevin Mayer going over to TikTok from Disney. ByteDance has a huge balance sheet. I think they're gonna build, you know, make this more into a platform. Uh, we got the Snap Partner Summits next week. They're talking about becoming a platform. So that may be part of the response element that you're talking about. but. Uh, there's something about TikTok that my guess is you're going to see people try to do more and more copying of. There hasn't been any signs of it yet, but my guess is it's coming. You okay. know, and actually, to, to be fair, the number one app in the App Store right now is a, you know, is an Asian copy 
of, of uh, TikTok called Zyn, Z-Y-N-N. And it's been exploding over the last week in this country, still really early. And it literally looks like a copy of TikTok. Paid marketing. Correct. Now, we don't know whether it has any lasting engagement. It's easy to buy your way to the top of the app store, but it's certainly interesting in terms of, you know, somebody jumping to the but top. That, that theme of buying your way to the top of the app store, I mean. TikTok did it. TikTok did it and, and is sticking. So correct. Who knows? Right. And I think that's the key, right? Is a lot of games go to the top of the app store and then disappear. TikTok clearly is, has a, is sticking because it's actually something people enjoy using and they're coming back to now without the paid marketing in the same way. And turning it into a bigger uh, distribution point. Next topic, uh, Florida has record cases or Florida cases have surged for COVID and the exact same time, one day later, we've got universal reopening. And so my guess is we're gonna get a live look over the course of the next month um, of what happens as you know large groups start to gather again in Florida. And I think you know part of why my gut is, is why Disney's delayed opening until mid-July is they wanna basically see what happens. Let Universal be the guinea pig before Disney opens their doors. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I well, mean, they're gonna have more than Universal. You also have, you know, Vegas casinos opening. You've had Legoland is opening. You got people not wearing masks there and not really social distancing pro, pro from some cast. of the video I saw. So there'll, there'll be plenty of, uh, there'll be plenty of, of um, examples on, yeah. to build off of. There's been zero talk about really COVID this week. And yeah, it's still a problem that's out there for the time being. The only talk has really been on, on vaccines. It seems well, like I, there's I a think protests of- and vaccines have sort of dominated the, the headlines this week far more than anything else. Yeah, not, not, certainly not the interim kind of surging cases in some of these states. Been totally glossed over. We'll see whether it matters or not. Um, Walt, you want to go through this one on 5G? Well, it's really more specifically about DISH. You know, we've, t- we've talked about kind of the, <clears throat> the naysayers on DISH. Um, you know, obviously we've talked at, at the end of the, at the start of the year, excuse me, about the opportunity for them to potentially merge with DirecTV to answer some of those balance sheet issues. But they hired a guy, Dave Mayo, formerly T-Mobile um, executive who knows a lot about building networks and really negotiating deals. So that's another step showing that, that Ergen wants to build this thing. Uh, and then there was another thing that I found interesting, which is um, someone from the Federalists, you know, brought up this concept of getting Dish their $3 billion back in terms of this designated entity thing that Chairman Pai has been sitting on for two years. So it's been a pretty good run for Dish. Again, the overriding theme here is still waiting for them to hash out their details with T-Mobile, um, hiring people to build so people that they could be a legit competitor. When's the um, earliest you think I could actually get team? Sorry, get Dish Mobile service. I think within a couple of months. I think they're going to go a lot faster than you expect. The uh-huh. issue right now is they're in rough negotiations. Um, I think with T-Mobile trying to get this boost deal closed, but I think they want to. I mean, look, they have an MVNO agreement that they can lean on, um, so I think they want to get going um, a lot quicker than 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 people anticipate. Very quickly. Quickly. Very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> uh, Turning to Apple, there's two news items that I think are, are noteworthy. Um, you know, Jim DiLorenzo was over at Amazon uh, for a while and was kind of leading up a bunch of their sports efforts. And there's been a bunch of other hires at Amazon. He moved over to Audible, um, but he's now heading over to Apple. 
uh, sort of Apple hiring a sports executive is sort of interesting, right? I mean, Apple has done nothing in sports. I think, you know, we've talked about actually, uh, you know, before on earlier episodes, like Apple hasn't shown any interest in, in getting into sports rights. When you think about Apple TV+, Plus, it, it certainly hasn't blown the doors off. You know, I think we had a slide up a few weeks ago of, you know, five to 10 million people. And that's, you know, it's, it's not nothing, but it certainly is dwarfed by what we've seen out of uh, at Disney Plus, what obviously we're seeing out of Netflix. I mean, Netflix added 9 million subscribers last quarter, so uh, more than people thought. So when you think about like the size of Apple TV Plus, and maybe this is a sign, I, and again, I, I underscore maybe. Oh, I mean, look, it's, it's hard for me to get a little too overexcited about, with all due respect to Jim DiLorenzo, um, hiring someone and it, it being meaningful. I remember, I don't know how long it was, uh, a go rich that they hired two Sony executives that, exactly. you know, and have a, yeah. And everyone's really excited. They're going to do yeah. all this stuff. And like, I don't know. I mean, what have they really delivered? So I think Apple brings a lot of people in, they, they throw a lot of shit against the wall and like, but you know, let's see what, what comes of it. I, I'm kind of now more in the camp of like, show me something as opposed to, let's speculate on what some executives can do and what a couple of billion dollars can do in terms of purchase. I guess the, the difference here is in, in co video content, it takes several years. And so Zach and Jamie, who joined probably now a few years ago, you're just starting to see oh, what yeah. they've done. And they've we put can... out content. They, they have spent money. So is right. this a signal that Apple is gonna spend money on sports yeah, I mean, it. Well, how many years ago was that, though? I mean, however many. So, wh three, where are three, we today? Three years ago. Okay, and how many subs do you ago. think they three. actually have? How many real paying subs that they have that they're going to be able to retain across the year? They had three years to build a product that's more than five original shows that no one's going to stay on yeah, for. It's so like no, it's not. It's, it's not unfair it's to not. criticize them. No. <laughs> yeah, where are they today? It's they three years done, later, and what have they done? They've well, not they, done a good job. I don't. I. I think that is you know, not something that really could be argued, although Rich, I think, is going to push back. The no, only, I, look, I, I'm going to take a totally thing. different angle, Brandon. I'm going to go back to 1994. Oh. The only reason the Fox Network exists today, the only reason oh, the Fox yeah. Network exists I'm gonna agree because with you. Rupert Murdoch overpaid for NFL football. And I say overpaid at the time, you know, 30 Which years later, you think about it like, right, right, right exactly, yeah, exactly. He built an entire business on the back of the NFL. And so the question becomes, does, is Apple basically agreeing with Walt? Like, maybe this hasn't worked. And maybe this is the first sign. Well, that the Apple second TV sign, Plus because, last, gonna... because, because last week was the sign of them going out and buying catalog. Catalog. the catalog, right? So that yeah. was the quote unquote first sign. I mean, I'm sure there's been other signs before that, but look, you're right. I mean, maybe sports is the driver. To me, it's just frustrating because I also defended Apple three years ago and two years ago. And I would go on, I would go on CNBC and say, look, you got to be patient. They got billions of dollars. This doesn't happen overnight, but like, okay, at some point your patience runs out and no, you got to do something. Right. And the second tweet here is from Benedict Evans writing about Apple Music. And, you know, I sort of laughed out loud when I when I saw this because it it resonated with me like Apple Music. You know, do they have 60 million subscribers? They haven't updated that statistic. I think, Walt, you, you know, you had noted recently in one of the things you wrote. They haven't updated that stat since, you know, June of 2019. And yeah, I wonder it, why. Well, when, when, when companies don't update stats anymore, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the reason for that is. Right. It no, is so, because it the is number is so good, good, they don't want their competitors to know how good they're doing. Yeah. The bottom, the bottom line is, I mean, Spotify iterates. I feel like I get an update every single day um, from Spotify. They're 
constantly iterating. Apple doesn't do anything. Literally. And, on the services and I, side, yeah. Yeah. Which, which well, again, and, and I know I've it. said this on like every episode that we've said, which again is like, that is unarguably the reason services has been the reason the multiple has gone from a discount to the market multiple to now like, I don't know what, a 20% premium or so to the market is on the services business. <laughs> Maybe it's, but it's all basically what app store plus um, cloud. cloud and, yeah. And fixing your phone. Yeah, it's it just amazing to me because if Apple wanted to devote more resources to music or to video, these businesses could be a lot bigger. I mean, I don't think there's sure. anything stopping people. People love the Apple brand. It, they have the balance sheet to do it. I mean, is it the exact, is it the leadership? I mean, it always comes it down just, to leadership. You have all of the elements. You've got a billion people looking at your screens and your operating system every day on their phones, not even including iPads and Macs or whatever it is. Um, you've got a ton of money, <laughs> right? You have a brand content, hundred percent would want to want to associate themselves with Apple brand, just like they would want to associate themselves with, I believe HBO or Netflix, or maybe even Amazon. Like, okay. It's hard like, to differentiate yourself, you know, like what other than, you know, I mean, look, they can get, you can't get exclusive content in music. So, you know, in video, look, you could theoretically have things like the morning show that nobody else has, but in music, there isn't a way to actually be different. I mean, you could have a better service and obviously more subscribers, but it I is mean, hard they, to They had an Apple TV physical device that they were selling, trying to sell for $170. They yeah. could have given those things away for $20 for years so that their share wouldn't be 8% and Roku wouldn't be kicking their ass at 45% at this point. And again, Rich, That's, that there is are a management ways, decision. There yeah, are ways fair. to differentiate besides on content. Spotify continues to iterate. Right. Apple... Good does not iterate on their app at all. I mean, look at pot, look at Apple podcasts. It's the worst. It's the same app. It was years app. ago. It's the exact same app. And yet their share at least now is 50%, but it's insane we'll see if it can hold on to that. Yeah. So talking of music, you know, I first, when I first met Daniel Eck, I remember him saying he had a plan to fix the music industry because we had had to sell it on Warner music uh, back in the day. Warner's finally emerged um, back into the public markets this week. Stock right now is trading $29, which means it's almost at 20 times EBITDA. This, you know, I, it's sort of just staggering. Music's a category that sort of had been forgotten in the public markets in many ways. I mean, there was no pure plays. You had things like, you know, Universal part of Vivendi and yeah. Sony Music part of Sony, but you haven't had a way to play pure play music content. Yeah, you could buy Spotify, obviously, but you couldn't buy the content. We got our first content pure play out and the market is literally, you know, jumping head over heels for Warner Music at, at a pretty big valuation. Yeah, it's, it, look, it's a, a good cash um, generated, cash generative business, number one. Number two, it's it's growing. There's a story around it vis-a-vis -vis streaming. Um, they're talking mid-teens, they're, they're talking high-teens EBITDA growth over the next several years. Yeah, I mean... That's why it's trading at 20 times, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, growth. But, but it, it, it it, there is also like a clear lack of good stories and growth in the media industry. Um, so investors are going to flock to that. And the other big story here is, look, the, the equity markets are open. Yeah. Uh, we saw it, a, a secondary this week from from Glue Mobile, I think it was this week, maybe it was last week, um, 
and companies have been trying to take advantage um, uh, of raising money in this market environment, which is I mean, the capital crazy. markets in general, you're open. I'm seeing a, a ton of, of refis on debt as well. People yeah, there, were, the there was a lot of debt for a, a while, for yeah. a couple of months. And now it's it's making its way into the equity market. So I wonder yep. what we'll see in terms of IPOs the rest of this year also. Well, one, I remember Warner's a deal that got pulled. I mean, this was expected to go earlier in the year. And when sort of everything um, went crazy a few months ago, they delayed this. But I think this is a clear sign that the markets are open I think and you, you can bring another, big yeah. deals. I think there was another cloud um, software IPO that came and did very well out of the gate. So like, you got to believe the bankers are like saying, let's, let's get this shit out as quickly as we can. Right. Um, no matter what they have in the pipeline. So we'll see how that goes. I just think the, the interesting thing on Warner that to think about going back to the Apple conversation we were just having is there is this growing sense that Spotify is becoming a monopoly in the space. And, you know, it's still very competitive in the U S 50-50 market share effectively between the two, maybe a little bit more skewed towards, my guess is now it's more skewed towards Spotify given the growth over the last 12 months as Apple stalled out. But globally, Spotify really is running away. And I'm that's the one longer term risk to all of the music labels is that Spotify gets too powerful. And you know that wasn't really talked about during their roadshow presentation. And it's gonna be interesting to see yeah. if Apple doesn't kind of get reinvigorated or Amazon, which seems totally not focused on music or YouTube music, how that plays into, you know, I've heard investors ask us or raise the question of like, how can Spotify and Warner Music both work? Like can, can both sides of the equation work? And it's gonna be very interesting to watch that dynamic um, if it isn't as competitive a, a, as it appears. Yep. And plus whatever tools for self-publishing and marketing that continue to be created. Brandon, you want to talk about yeah. this gaming? Yeah, so I mean, Zynga did another acquisition. Um, this is a big one, though. Yeah, this was what was this? One point six billion dollars. Um, so a, a fairly large acquisition for them. And look, I, you know, since uh, Frank took over, they have executed extremely well, and they're showing you their confidence to continue to bring um, the more IP and more studios into the fold um, and that they're, they have a big enough platform now that they could do it well accretively. I think we calculated this was going to be what 20% ish, 15 to 20% accretive um, depending. And I think we're going to continue to see them um, make acquisitions. Stock be, surge. I mean, investors clearly like this deal. Yeah. Well, it's accretive, right? <laughs> And it's also just building up core IP. I mean, and it's also non-licensed. Like this is not going out and putting Game of Thrones on a new game. This is actually building right. their it, own it IP and brands. It also fits tightly um, with with their port with their portfolio and kind of adding, building on prior acquisitions in in Match Three. What'll be interesting is if they they start to add games with you know a a little more. Um, a little more depth to them um, that are more graphically intense and and try and take advantage of this this crossplay um, theme and and wave and and diversify. Which they haven't really cosplay. done yet. Yeah, they haven't at all, and and diversify out of um, just casual games. 
crossplay, not cosplay. Let's be okay. very clear okay. here. Crossplay. Sorry. Cross platform. Let's just be very, very Did careful I say in cosplay? our word. No, Walt was mishearing, <laughs> and I, I just wanted to make sure. Sorry. Uh, uh, Walt, right, bring us into Alan's world. <laughs> well, I think this is a good way to. Well, first of all, it's 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 June first. Alan saying off Twitter for a while, which was very disappointing to me because he's one of the most entertaining people on Twitter for sure. Two days later, and by the way, I did send him a tweet saying, please come back soon. <laughs> Two days later, he's back and wants to break up Amazon. Monopolies are wrong. Um, stuff that we've done a lot on our Light Shed lives recently. Um, and also threw in a little um, positive uh, for Jack. Jack's doing his best and, and Elon uh, supports him, which is kind of weird because I think Elon is like kind of associating himself with the government more, but you know, supporting Jack, he's probably the number one guy under fire right now of our president. I also think Elon likes using the platform. Like, I think he sees the power to build. I mean, you know, look at the I mean, 565,000 likes on I'm leaving Twitter for a little while. And I mean, he's got a pretty incredible platform in Twitter that he uses pretty regularly. I mean, just like you said, you love watching him on it or, you know, reading him on it. I think he's been a big believer in the platform for, for a while. And this also came after what was a huge win for him and, and a glimmer of positivity in what's been obviously, as we talked about before, a very difficult week, which was on Saturday um, on a commercial aircraft sending two Americans um, to the International Space Station. And, and look, you know, a line gets attacked for a lot of different things. And, you know, I, you know the, the binary view towards him are, are kind of fascinating to me. The bottom line is we watched a rocket take two Americans to the International Space Station, and then the first stage of that land. So no matter what you're claiming about is over-promising, under-delivering, his company sent these two people um, to the space station. And, and it really changes the dynamics of our space program. Less than a week later, he sent 60 Starlink satellites confirmed, or excuse me, 60 Starlink satellites. What are these Starlink satellites gonna do? They're gonna deliver, in their view, broadband to end users around the world, obviously in the US, but ar around the world. And by the way, that stage one rocket landed for the fifth time. So the same rocket was used five different times. So, but, but while, you know, there's a lot of okay. so, well, so even well, So even yeah. after, even after Elon delivers the electric car that no one thought he would, two guys into the International Space Station, yet you're still gonna see, if you went on Twitter now and Googled Starlink, everyone just saying, oh my God, Starlink's not gonna work. The CPE is, is gonna be too expensive. It, Let's watch. But what, the other thing that it brings up, like uh, Elon runs how many different companies? And you remember when they were saying like, Jack couldn't run Square and Twitter at the same time <laughs> and point. like how awful it was and Jack couldn't run, what was it? That solar company that got merged in with Tesla and then, you know, SpaceX, like it just, I think it's sort of funny that you look at these massive accomplishments and, you know, I mean, whether it's Square and Twitter and how far they've come or SpaceX and, and Tesla, but, you know, look, great executives can build great teams around them. And I think, you know, this view that you can only do one thing at a time, um, I think just more and more proof that that's just total BS. Yeah, and it's, look, it's a positive thing. For, there's so many positives to take away from what happened on Saturday. Unfortunately, they were far, far overshadowed by the tidal wave of negatives that were ongoing at the same time. Um, which is too bad um, because it was, I think, a great moment for uh, for commercial enterprise and for our country. Um, it was fun to watch. 
Like it, it was, was awesome. actually exciting to watch the liftoff on, you know, there was what, eight or nine million. There was, I don't even know how many across all the platforms. I didn't see anyone aggregate like eight the numbers, million. But it was like 3 million on the YouTube on their, their primary YouTube alone. NBC had their own thing. Everyone had their own. It was like 8 million, I think total that were watching that thing globally, obviously. So I was huge moment. And That's then brought back in, and then brought back into despair shortly thereafter when you switched over to CNN and Fox and everywhere else playing what was going on in our country, unfortunately. So anyway, episode on that note, seven. That's in it. the books. Lates. See you guys yeah. next week.